0: This morning, I want to continue with the passage that we've been looking at in Deuteronomy about possessing the promised land, possessing the promises that God has for us. And I found it interesting, the prophetic, the ministry this morning, the prophetic word, the prophetic is foretelling and it's forth-telling. So sometimes the prophetic foretells something in the distant future, and there's also times where it exposes or tells things in the present. And I believe right now that there are things in the present that God is moving on and God is already overcome, but now what it is is it's time for us to go into that area or into that territory and to experience what God has for us. So this morning I want to continue... And, and I want to go out of De- Deuteronomy chapter 4. I've got some notes, if the ushers um, can have, hand those out. When I passed them out this morning to them, Daryl said, what's the cue? He says, because I don't want it cryptic. So I said, you know what? I'll just say, could you hand out the notes? And it was like, okay, that works. So you have notes, and the notes you're getting actually are two pages, but one page is from last Sunday... And then the other page, the, the the page is on the bottom right hand. It's marked July twenty eighth. So that's the page of notes for today. Amen. I wanna I wanna encourage you today. We're enlarging our territory, and as we enlarge our territory, I'm conserving my carbon footprint by only producing one double the pages on on one piece of paper. So. I might be conserving my carbon footprint, but I'm gonna be enlarging my territory. That was a oh my that, that was a real profound, deep. I want to take a a few minutes as we study this morning and as we hear the word of from the Lord to think about possessing the promises. The first thing I want us to understand is the promise of salvation is the greatest miracle and the greatest promise that we have. That is, the greatest, that is the promise where God says, I'm going to send my son and he's going to redeem. And if you look in the Old Testament, it points to Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points to Christ. Christ. So when you study and you read the Old Testament, what you want to do is you want to see how does Jesus fit in? How does he fulfill this? What does he do in this? And then when Jesus came, he says, I've come to fulfill all the law and the prophets, and he speaks about those things in the past, and what he does is he shows how he fulfills them. And salvation is the greatest fulfillment. It's the greatest fulfillment, but it does not stop there. And that's the amazing thing with God is is he has the greatest fulfillment and the greatest promise is God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the greatest miracle. That's the greatest promise. But then if you study the scriptures, you find out that there's a whole bunch of other verses and scriptures that talk about how we live in today's world and how we can experience the blessings of God, and how we can walk in the blessings of God. And so, I want to take some time talking about experiencing and walking in the promises of God. And I've titled my sermon, "Small Steps Are Big Steps." I, I've I've spent time talking with people. I don't do a lot of counseling. Um, but I do have a lot of conversations with people, and sometimes I've found that I'll have somebody sit down in front of me, and they might have four, five, or six different things that are eating at them. This is happening, and this is happening, and that's happening, and and I've got this issue coming up, and I've got these things, And, and it can be quite overwhelming, and what I have found and what I've often experienced as I've had these conversations is just pick one thing and work on one thing and tackle one thing. And what's amazing is as you start to tackle that, all of a sudden this starts to change and come more into alignment and that starts to come back into alignment and that happens and all of a sudden you find out the four, five, six other things start to get smaller. Some of them actually disappear. And others of them all of a sudden start to come into reach. And what I found is the small steps that we take actually are big steps in life. I've heard the expression, you've probably heard it too, the overnight success that took 25 years to get there. We see something that happens the next morning But we don't realize the 25 years that went into that overnight success. So I'm a huge fan of simple, small steps. I'd rather each one of you take one step this week further and closer to what God has for you than you try to achieve the whole thing. I'd I'd rather you this week... Say, this week, there's one thing I want to do. This week, I'm going to actually smile at somebody I don't know, and I'm going to just see if I can help them in some way. Buy them a coffee. When I go through the drive-thru, I'm going to buy the person behind me their order, and I'm going to ask God that it's only a coffee and not six different items. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to exercise something, and I'm not going to do it for them to give me any praise. I'm just going to do it because I want to grow in understanding and walking in the love of God. So today, this week, I'm going to do this. I had that happen to me about a month ago, and I, and I said this, this week, and I was in a small area, and I said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice to my neighbor. And that's a stretch for me. I know you don't believe that, but that's a stretch for me. And as, as Winona and I were doing something, I had put something aside to give to my brother uh, Daniel and Brenda, and I was walking out, and God said, Give that to your neighbor. And I had it in my hand. And I'm walking to the car, and I said, Lord, that couldn't be you. That couldn't be God telling me to do that. So I had it in my hand. I'm walking down the steps, going to the car, and I said, if you want me to give it to that person, have them come outside and have them say something particular to me. <laughs> Two seconds later, door opens. The neighbor comes out, says, hi, David. I said, hi. Was this a problem for you this week? And I was like, uh, well, yeah, it was. Ten seconds later, I put the thing in the car. God says, didn't I just do what you asked me to do? And I said, okay, Lord. So I called him over, opened up the car. I says, you know what? Would you like this? It was a couple really nice steaks. And you say, well, big deal. Well, what happened is when we exercise those things, we plant seeds and we actually grow. And part of that is involved in getting to the area of the promises or walking in the promises of God. It was hard for me to give a stake to somebody that I get upset with. I know none of you ever experienced those things. I know that. I mean, I see you drive and you stay within the lines. And I never see any of you waving your hands at the person behind you or in front of you and, and, and giving them a praise, the Lord, thank you for passing me and thank you for cutting me off. I know none of you experience that. So just pray for me this morning. But I, I want to talk about taking small steps that are actually big steps. And what I'd like to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 4. And I want to use that as the verses or as the text this morning. And in your notes, I've got about five or six points. And so if you give me a lot of amens, we'll go through this really quick because I know you're hearing me. So uh, I've got my amen meter up here, and the more amens, the faster I go. But I want to start with the first verse. It says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I'm teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. And what I've found often in life is we don't pay attention. And all the parents with children know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen. And they walk away. And I'm sure all the wives know what I'm talking about. I saw a meme. It said, it said the guy's talking to his, his, there's a husband and a wife, and this counselor's talking to him, and he says, do you realize you never buy wife, uh, your flowers for your wife or from your wife or for your wife? And, and, and he goes, gee, I didn't know she sold them. I mean, it's like completely miss it, us guys. So pay attention. Listen. And don't listen to hear what you want to hear. Listen to what's being said. How many times do we listen and hear what we want to hear and we don't hear what's actually being said? So Moses here is getting the people ready to go into the promised land. He's getting them ready to enter into something that God spoke 450 or 460 years earlier to Abraham. And he says, I want you to walk around here and everywhere your foot treads is going to be given you. And so this was something that was talked about in the children of Israel. They rehearsed it. They spoke of it. And now this was coming to pass. And actually what you find out is they could actually see where they were going. They could actually see the promised land from when they left egypt to get to the promised land was an 11-day journey and it took them 40 years to get there and before you laugh how old are you come on i'm over 40 i'm over 50 and there're still lessons i'm learning So Moses brings them to the edge of the promised land, and he's not going into the promised land. God said, no, you're not. And so Moses is getting them ready. And what I want to instill with you as we're studying these passages in this book is God has for every single one of us here promises and things that you have been aching for, things that God has put inside of you, and I believe... And I'm speaking prophetically, but I believe there's going to be an explosion of those things that you've dreamed of, those things that you've asked God for, that they're going to come and you're going to see some of the promises come right before you and you're going to hold them, you're going to touch them, you're going to see them. But what you do with them is extremely important. Sometimes success is more dangerous than failing. Sometimes having the success is more dangerous. I find it interesting when somebody's having a hard time, where do they go? They pray. I even hear on TV, when there's been a disaster, our thoughts and our prayers are with these people. Media that doesn't follow God necessarily. All of a sudden, our thoughts and our prayers. Why? Because there's something bad happened, and we understand that, and we do pray for them. But I don't find very often... They're doing really good. Let's pray for them because they're doing really good. But I would suggest to you when you're doing really good, that's when you really need to be staying connected to God. Because it is so easy. It is so easy to say, God, I've got this. Because I saw what I did last time and we forget what god has done and the whole book of deuteronomy is it's actually one of the titles for the deuteronomy is the book of remembrance We remember what God did when we didn't have everything and we remember how he brought us out and he's bringing us in and how he did this thing. He defeated this. He fed us for 40 years. My shoes didn't wear out. The enemies that were against us were defeated. All these things and we remember those things so that when we go into the promises and we experience those things that are amazing, we don't forget what he did because you know what? He's the one that brought you there. So Moses is preparing them and he says, listen. Then I want you to jump down to verse 5 and it says, see, I've taught you, this is Moses talking, statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do this or thus in the land where you're entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding. Sometimes wisdom and understanding is simple as keeping and doing. Wisdom sometimes is so simple, it's missed. I like to be thought of as somebody as wise, and sometimes I'm found to be very boring. But do the simple things, keep and do them, because that's wisdom and understanding. And I have found people that grow and expand and as they pursue things and their portfolios expand, their territories expand, their reach expands, their relationships expand. Sometimes I am amazed at how simple they do things because all they do is they just keep doing the same old thing day after day after day after day after day. day. And what happens is all of a sudden, a week later, they're further ahead. A month later, they're further ahead. And then this thing called compound interest, and it's not just in a financial term, but these things compound, and the snowball gets bigger and bigger, and I'm mixing metaphors like crazy. But as you do these things, it gets bigger and bigger, and you advance further by doing the simple things day in and day out. Small steps. Small steps. I, I search and I search for the silver bullet and I haven't found it. But I found the BB gun and I keep shooting the BB. Keep doing the simple things. Just keep doing them. What are the simple things? Here's something for you. Show up every Sunday. Oh, that's legalistic. No, that's in the Bible. Forsake not the assembly of the righteous together. Something happens when we get together that doesn't happen when you're not here. Here's another simple thing. Speak to your children about the things of God. You say, well, that's legal. No, that's in the Bible. Here's another thing. When God gives you a victory, when God gives you a promise, rehearse that and keep it going. I've told my children about the property that we own. I've told my children about the first house we had. I, the first car I got was a gift from God. And I've rehearsed those and I've remembered them. When God does something, keep it, remember it, speak it, and start telling your children. Start building in them a belief in God that he can do what nobody else can do. That's a simple little thing. And, and, and Moses is saying, possessing the land takes wisdom and understanding, and the wisdom and the understanding is this, keep it and do it. Which basically means obey and keep doing. Guard it, keep it, guard it, protect it, and do it means obey. Now, most of you here are parents. There's a few children here, but I'm sure as a parent... If you were to give instructions to your child, you would have somewhere in that instruction, do what I've told you to do. Whether it's putting away the laundry, doing the dishes, keeping the house clean while you're gone away, hint, hint, hint to my children, Um, whatever it is, just keep it and do it. And when mom and dad come back the following week, life will be a whole lot better and sweeter than it was if the pile of dishes is high. I'm speaking prophetically, (laughs) not pathetically. Simple wisdom and understanding. Sometimes it's not flashy. Sometimes wisdom is not flashy. Sometimes wisdom is being in the game for 30 years. Sometimes wisdom is having some bruises and a story to tell. Sometimes wisdom is the gray hair that is earned or the loss of hair that's earned or, in some cases, both. If if you want wisdom and understanding and you're under the age of 40, take somebody out that's over the age of 40 and ask them what happened, how they did it. You'll get some wisdom. I want you to see another thing about some of the small steps that turn into big steps. In verse 20. Moses is talking to them and he says, But the Lord has taken you out and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. God took you out for his possession and symbolically, we can say is, Egypt was the world, and we speak that, and we talk about that, it was the world. What I'd like to say is, when God takes you and touches you, he takes you from the kingdom of darkness, and he puts you in the kingdom of his dear son. He literally takes you out. And he puts you in. He doesn't go where you are and stay there. What he does is he goes, he grabs you, and he says, no, this is the kingdom I want you to live in. You and I live in the kingdom of his dear son. And he took you out. Why did he take you out? He took you out because he cared for you, and you actually are his possession. Here's a news flash for you. I don't do whatever I want to do. I do what the king tells me to do. And many, many, many times, that's not what I want to do, but I'm getting better. And I'm learning, you know what? Do unto others as I want them to do to me. That's what the king says. And I've learned, as I do to somebody the way I want to be done to, it's a whole lot better than when I do to them what I want to do to them. God has taken you out to take you in. I wrote this in your notes. I think you've got it in your notes. Grace takes you from your mess and places you in his place. The grace of God takes you from Egypt, takes you from the mess, takes you from those things. The children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they cried out to God because of the torment they were under. I have met people who could not sleep at night because they were tormented. I've talked to people. And they said, we can't even sleep at night because when we go to sleep, this thing comes on me and I literally choke. They literally had a physical reaction when they slept. And as we talked to them, we said, you know what you do? When that happens, just say the name Jesus. We said, you don't have to do big recant and this and this. Just say, Jesus. And we talked to them after that, and they said that this happened to them. They went to bed at night, and they felt this, and their breathing, and they could barely, in fact, they couldn't even talk out loud. And they just said, Jesus. And they said with, and it stopped. And they slept. There's power in what Jesus does. And what he did was he took them out of that mess and the grace, the goodness, the, the overwhelming ability of God took them and placed them in the new kingdom and in a new neighborhood and a new address. God took you out of that. God took me out of that. I don't go back to those things. Come on. I don't go back to those things. Why? Because he took me out of those things. And those things are different for everybody. Some people may be one thing, and another person it might be something else. It doesn't matter. God has taken you out of there and put you here. God has taken you out to take you in. That's a small step, but that's a big step. That's a step where, you know what? Before, I used to respond like that, but I'm not like that anymore because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and he's taken me from the kingdom of darkness and put me in the kingdom of his dear son. So I actually now have a new way to behave. I have a new mode of operation. I have a new standard. I have a new default. I have a new hard drive, and my hard drive now is what does the Father say, and that's what I'm going to do. Do I get it right every time? No. And from what I understand, neither do you. But he took us out. I don't live there. This is where I live. And God was telling the children of Israel, I'm taking you and I'm bringing you here. This is where I've got you. This is where I want you to live. In today's world, we've made Christianity whatever you feel like. And Pastor Nelson, a few weeks ago, talked about Deuteronomy. He talked about Joshua. He talked about Judges. And, and, and he, he showed in Judges the phrase, every man did what was right in his own eyes. And if that's not a true statement for today's world... And we've taken that and we've even put that into, well, this is what I feel like as a believer. I'm allowed, no, this is what the word says and I'm a child of the king. I live in the kingdom of his dear son. So I don't retaliate that way. I don't respond in kind. I, this is how Living a kingdom life, living a life as a believer, has demands on me because I do not live that way. I, I don't take my Christianity and put it in my back pocket. I once had a guy come to me and say, hey, would you be, be my spiritual guide? And as we were talking, basically, he says, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, but my life, my spiritual life is out of balance, so could you kind of fill that in? And I walked away from that thinking, all he wants to do is have me in his back pocket And whenever he gets into trouble, he pulls it out and says, oh, I've got the spirit. That's not living a life for believing God. My life is so out of balance, it's crazy. Because it's completely God. Everything is God. I don't have a balanced life. My balanced life is out of balance. It's God, God, God. God takes you out to take you in. In verse 24, I love this verse. For your Lord, your God, is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He's telling them, as I take you into the promised land, there's, what I find so amazing about this is God knows people. God knows us. And he tells the people of Israel, he says, I'm going to take you out. In fact, the generation that's going into the promised land, the reason why you're going in isn't because you're good. It says He says, it's because I promised it to your fathers and your father's fathers. And because of that, I'm taking you in. They didn't qualify... In the sense of doing this, doing... that, God just said, I promised it to your fathers, your generation before you had unbelief, but you're going in. And maybe he said, Moses can only take this for a couple more years, so we got to get this and I got to do this, whatever. But the generation that went in didn't qualify. They did believe God, but it wasn't what they did. It was what God said. And he brought them in. So I'm here to tell you, sometimes the things that you think are happening because of what you've done, no, it's because of what God said. And he knows us. And he says to the children of Israel, I'm baffled by this. Because he says, I know you're going to turn from me. I know you're going to chase other idols. I know you're going to, he says, don't make images of stone. Don't make images of animals. Don't make images of the sky to try to reflect what you think about me. Why would he say that? Because that's what they would do. He says, don't. He says, and if you do, you're going to perish. I believe there's a whole lot of believers that are unhappy because they don't do what the word says. I'll leave that one for you. But he says, you guys are going to follow this. You're going to do that. He says, but I'll tell you what. In fact, the nation is going to be destroyed. You're going to perish. But if you seek after me, you'll find me. I mean, he lost me at that point. Because if somebody did that to me, I'd say, there's no do-overs, you're done. Like, next. And God says, no, if you seek after me with all your heart, I'll be found of you. What a gracious God. I'm here to tell you, no matter what mistake you've made, he says, no matter what, come back to me, and you'll find me. And what I find amazing is that's in the Old Testament. Grace is found in the Old Testament. You just got to look for it. But he says, I know, I know this is what you're going to do. If I, I hate to say this, but I think he probably knows I'm going to mess up. And he says, David, you're going to make mistakes, but I'm here. And all you have to do is come to me, call on me, and I'm here. I'm here. Talk about, this is what happens, and this is how you live in the promises of what God has for you. Have a God conscience always on you. Always be aware of what God is doing. You say, well, I make a mistake. You know what? The biggest mistake you can do is staying in that mistake. And the human condition would tell you The enemy would tell you, stay there because nobody loves you. Stay there because you're all alone. Stay there because they're going to make fun of you. Stay there, stay there, stay there. And God says, no, come. And you and I as a believer and as a family and as a group of believers, when we see somebody fall, it says in the Bible, restore them so that they can be part. We should not ostracize somebody. What we need to do is bring them in so they know, you know what, if you make a mistake, we're here because we all are following after the king. Christianity sometimes will get messy. Probably more than sometimes. So this is serious business. Going into the promised land, going into the promises that God has for you, it says, and, and by the way, that passage, your God is a consuming fire, is not just in the Old Testament, it's also found in Hebrews. Hebrews. God is just as jealous for you now as he was for the children of Israel when he brought them out of the promised land. His level of jealousy, his level of commitment has not changed. He didn't look at the 2000 or the second millennium. Actually, I guess we're in the third millennial, but I won't. He didn't look at the 2000s and go, you know what? Let's change it up. It's a progressive society. Let's change this. Let's, they're all think. No, he said, no, I'm a consuming fire. I'm a jealous God, and I want them completely. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I have a God that is so passionate for me that he doesn't change his mind. He's not fickle. What he says he'll do. And it's just as in his seriousness, but his seriousness is so that you and I can enjoy the benefits of living a life that is beyond what anybody else could live. I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it. You and I should have a life that puts a non-believer's life to shame. And it's not that we parade around and say, oh, no. What it is, is just the goodness of God that dwells with us and on us because of the King of Kings. We should have a marked difference. And I'm going to even show you in this passage that Moses even tells them that. You have the Holy Spirit. You have an unfair advantage. You have somebody living inside of you that is not bound by time that knows the future from the beginning. He knows the path. Have you ever asked him, what would you do in this situation, Holy Spirit? What would you do in this situation, God? I've done that. I haven't done it enough, but I've done that. And I've found sometimes his advice to me is different than what I would have done. And as I followed him, I have found it's gone better than the way I would have done it. Don't ask him for the lottery numbers. Don't ask him for that. He'll tell you to tithe first. <laughs> Pastor Daniel was shouting amen on that one. He takes care of the books. God, he's, he's, he wants you to have a whole life. Life. God wants you to have a whole, fulfilling life. He is not a cosmic killjoy. The moment you pop your head up, you know that game, that the, the thing pops its head up and you whack whack a mole? He's not a whack-a-mole kind of God. Oh, David's doing a little too good. Let's keep him in his place. Oh, this is happening. No, no. he's a God that says, oh, he's right. Let's keep him. Let's get him going. Let's, let's give him more. And he's passionate about it. He's more committed to it than you are. Next thing I want you to see out of chapter 4, it says in in verse 29, and I kind of touched on this, he says, but from there you will seek the Lord. Where? When you've been actually in trouble. And you're scattered among the people and you're going to be left few in number among the nations where the Lord drives you. And he says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. I find this amazing. He says, I know this is going to happen and I still have the remedy for you. Don't ever sell yourself short of what God has for you because of something you've done. What happens when you do that is you put yourself in place of God. You start making the decisions instead of God. He is so good to us. He's a God that says, I know you will, but this is what I will. Think about that. When you react with somebody and you, you interreact with somebody and, and you, you share with somebody, look at it from God's perspective and look at that individual and say, you know what? They might be saying that they used to follow God and they got hurt, whatever. How does God look at it? God says, you know what? You come to me and I'm going to be there. He doesn't move the goalposts. He doesn't change the game. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know that face app? He's the same. (laughs) It's like he looks the same. These are small steps, but they're big steps. And sometimes entering into the promises of God are easier than you and I realize. Because it's just doing and keeping what he's told you to do. Don't do and keep what i am said. Do and keep what he's told you to say. And what He said to you. Develop that relationship with him. Develop that, have the Holy Spirit, have the word of God, which is Jesus Christ, is the living word. When you read it, say, Lord, speak to me, and what you speak to me, I'm going to do. And if you get confused, talk to a pastor. Talk to a mentor. But if he says to you something as simple as, you know what, this is what you need to do, and it's like, this is clear, do what God speaks to you. Keep it and do it. I love this. And then if you continue on to verse 32, he says, Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and inquire from one of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing or has anything been heard like this? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the middle of a fire as you've heard it and survived? There is a uniqueness that you and I have in relationship with God that other people that don't believe him do not have. God could speak to you from the middle of the fire. God can address you in the middle of a storm. And what he's saying is, look at this. Does anybody else, can anybody else say this? No, nobody else can say this. But because of the relationship you have with the creator of all, he calls you in the moments when other people would let you go. He calls you and he pulls you. The moments when you've let go of him, he's still there. And he says, come back to me and I'll be here. And he says, look, is there anybody else? Do you know of anything, of any story, of any situation where this has happened before? And the answer is no. There was no other stories in history back then and now where it says a God comes and he speaks to his people. No other religion has a living Savior. No other religious system has a Savior that came, died for us, went down in the tomb, defeated death, and rose again and is alive. There is no other religion. We have something amazing as a relationship with God, and it's not something that we make fun of other people. It's something that we go, this is the relationship I have with God. God's speaking through Moses, and he says, nobody else... Has anybody else heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire? Or has a God, small g, tried to go take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, and by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm, by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes?" Has there been any other system that takes somebody that's down and out and restores them and brings them into a new relationship and into the promises? There is nothing except God our Savior. And if you read this passage, you find out that Moses says, people are going to look at you, And see this stuff that's happening and say stuff about you and recognize, you know what, they've got something. Nobody else, uh, all the other religions, all the other styles of faith, whatever you want to call them, all those other things, they stop here. But my God is alive, gives me hope, gives me a future, and he's here, and he's always here. And he says, no matter what you do, come back to me and I'll be here That's that's living in the promises of God. Small steps are big steps. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he's God. There's no one other besides him. There's no one. So in conclusion... I have to have a strong conclusion. Include, conclude, conclude, conclusion. What I'm saying is the simple strokes of life, the rhythm of life, the decisions, the small decisions you make are huge decisions. And it says that wisdom and understanding... Is just keeping and doing. Just keep and just do. And tomorrow, do it again. And tomorrow, do it again. And Wednesday, do it again. And Thursday, do it again. And next week, do it again. And do those small, simple steps because people will actually look at you. Read the passage in Deuteronomy 4. People will actually look at you and say, you are so wise. And you're going to go, what do you mean? All I do is the same old, same old, same old. And they're going to go, yeah, but I can never seem to do that. I take one step and I get knocked backwards. I, I live with a, a constant battle in my mind. I have voices inside of me telling me I'm no good. I have a group of friends that just every time I try to get outside that, they pull me back in and they tell me I'm not doing what. And you can say, yeah, but there's a God who loves you, who sent his son to restore you, to take you from that, to put, him, put you into his kingdom. It's the small simple steps, that's wisdom and understanding. If you're crying for wisdom, look for the simple, simple, simple step and do it. Be a person of integrity. Oh, I want to get even with him. No, be a person of integrity. Even if you said it, and now it comes and it bites you in the backside. Do it. Be a person of integrity and say, "No, I said this, this is what we'll do." Next time I'll do it differently, but I'm going to honor what I've said. That's a small step, but that's wisdom. Be a person that people look to and say, "When he says it, he'll do it. Be a person that speaks the truth. People lie today so much they don't know the truth. Speak the truth. Be honest. Be real. I put down a couple thoughts. Sometimes what keeps you there is more work than what got you there. God was bringing them into the promises. Now, I know there's battles. But sometimes when you receive that promise, it takes more work, consistent, steady work, to maintain that than it took to obtain it. God can do miraculously. We heard it this morning. He goes before you. He's already won the battle. Watch this and see what he'll do. And God can provide for you a miraculous thing, a promotion or an advancement or this or that, and how you handle that is how you maintain it and how you steward what he's given you sometimes can be more work than you realize. But those simple, small steps can become big steps. And I wrote down one other thing I see out of this passage that you were never designed to fit in. You were never designed to fit in. You were designed to stand out. God took you and put you into a promised land. He designed it for you to be there. He never said, I'm just going to have them do the status quo. God's plan, his desire from Genesis 1 was that you would have dominion, that you would flourish, that you'd have dominion, that you rule, that you'd be multiplying, that you'd be fruitful. His design for you was always that you would stand out. So don't live a life... Of just trying to fit in what everybody else is doing. Live a life that says, God, how do you stand on this? And how do you look at this? And what do you say about this? And be ready to stand out. And be ready for people to say there's something about you. Why? Because you've done small Steps You've done the same brush strokes. You've done the same thing day in and day out. But all of a sudden, somebody realizes there's a huge difference in you than there is in them. Why? Because of what God has done for you. Amen? Can you stand? I'd like to pray over you. And if if you have heard this, And you say, you know what? Um, I, I just need a little bit better consistency. That's okay. I could too. So if that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Sometimes an awareness of these things is what helps us move forward. If you say, you know what? I'd like to steward and maintain the promises of my God more than just three days a week. I'd like to do it five, six, seven days a week. I'd like to get a little better at this. I want to pray for you. If you've never accepted Christ and you hear of his promise to take you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, I'd like to pray for you because what he wants is to develop a relationship where he speaks to you and you hear him like he's talking right now. I want to pray for you. Father, Lord, we come in all different conditions. We come in all different situations. We come in all different packages. We've come in different vehicles, but we come to you. Lord, may we be a body of believers that as you open up these things in front of us and we start to walk into those things that we've dreamed of and we start to experience blessing that we didn't anticipate before and we start to see promotions and we start to see advancement and we start to see relationships restored and we start to see financial things gained and we start to see blessing after blessing. Maybe be ones that keep and do what you have shown us and told us to do. And, Lord, I ask for the discipline of your spirit to be with us, to remind us small steps. Small steps are actually big steps. I ask you, Lord, to touch everyone. Would you bless and keep? Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone here that your face your favor would shine on them. Lord, I ask, Lord, that as they walk in into a room that you've already prepared the space for them. Lord, that they, when they sit down, they would be refreshed. when they lay their head on the pillow, that they would sleep well. Lord, I speak divine health. Lord, tumors to be gone. Lord, issues to be left from their body. Bones to be righted. Muscles to be strengthened. Tendons to be restored. Neurons to fire the way you've called them to fire. Why? Because we are a people that carries your name and that you said that you've died for that for us. So may we be ones, Lord, to steward what you have given us And may we manage and steward and maintain the promises the way that you want us and have designed and called us to. In your precious name and everybody said, amen. Amen. As you leave today, shake hands with two people at least. Look them in the eye and say, God bless you this week. Amen.